So do you think you just went through the gospel message tonight, the story of Jesus? But you notice not one of those scriptures was in the New Testament. What happened to Jesus was not a surprise to God. Jesus fulfilled God's plan. Jesus' death on the cross fulfilled God's plan of salvation. Your sin is atoned for because God finished it through Jesus Christ. Think about this. If you want to change the world, what do you need? Politicians need a popular message and campaign funds. Entrepreneurs need a popular product or service and capital. Both need to advertise. Both want you to feel connected to them. Advertisers want you to need them. Jesus did not have a popular message. He had no campaign funds. He offered no service people wanted. He made no profit. He made no profit. How can you be elected a supreme leader if you're executed? Why would you preach a message that no one would wants to listen to? Why would God send a king to peasant parents? Be conceived out of wedlock be born in a barn, and announced only to stinky shepherds and foreigners, the Magi. Why would God send his king to Egypt? Can any good thing come from Nazareth? That's what the Jews of the day asked. Why would God choose 12 uneducated men, at least religiously uneducated men, as his closest followers. Why would he allow one of those followers to be a traitor? It seems God is foolish. Doesn't he know how the world works? Why would God allow Jesus to die a cruel and gruesome death on a cross? Worse yet, he predicted it and written about it before it ever happened. God planned it. I'm going to read out of Psalms 22. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Psalm 22, verse 6. And that's the scripture I want to I talk about tonight. So let's read as we read, stand as we read God's word together. Psalm 22, starting in verse 6. He says, but I am a worm. This is page 457 in the Pew Bible. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him from the delights of him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breasts. On you was cast, I was cast from my birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, 
for trouble is near. There is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of the earth. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Let's pray. God, you are a mighty and a precious God. I pray, Lord, as we look at your words, Lord, that they will stir us. They will touch our spirit and our soul so that we will be changed. You are the mighty God. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. I didn't read verse 1. Verse 1 of Psalm 22 begins, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said those words on the cross to point us to this psalm. To cry out in agony over the pain he was feeling and to point us to this psalm. My God, my God. Have we ever felt that sometimes? There are days that we feel like that when things aren't going well and they're going really bad because somebody you love is hurting. You're hurting. You're in despair. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is a perfect priest because he can empathize with us. He's suffered all things that we have suffered. And so we get to Psalm 22. And he starts off, but I am a worm. All who see me mock me. They, they, they make it's almost a quote of the Pharisees in the New Testament of what they say to him. Look, let him trust in God. Let God come down and save him. I don't know if at this time if they saw this psalm as a prophecy. I would guess not. They did not see this as a prophecy. Jesus is mocked for proclaiming God, for pointing people to his prophecies, and for demanding obedience to God's laws. For that he is mocked. Jesus is mocked by the Sanhedrin court. Jesus is mocked by the Roman soldiers. Jesus is mocked by the crowds. They spit on him. Jesus is mocked by the other criminals suffering the same fate that he is, the same execution. In verses 9 and 10, they continue the mocking. Jesus is mocked, yet he remains in God's will. It says, yet you are, you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Jesus is mocked, yet he remains in God's will. You do not need the approval of the world to be in God's will. You don't need the approval of your family to be in God's will. You don't need the approval of your boss to be in God's will. 
You don't always need the approval of your preacher to be in God's will. Because who did Jesus lambast throughout the New Testament? It was the preachers, the Pharisees, the scribes. They were the teachers. That's kind of humbling to think about. Jesus is mocked, yet he remains in God's will. God's will does not depend on popular opinion or majority vote. God's will depends on God alone. We know God's will from Scripture. This is how we know God's will. In verse 11, he says, Be not far from me, for trouble is near. And he talks about being surrounded by bulls and dogs. Jesus is alone in a crowd. Yet, he remains in God's will. He refused worldly help. He rebuked Peter for fighting back when he was, Jesus was being arrested. In fact, he healed the guy that Peter attacked. He did not attempt to defend himself in court against false charges. Didn't defend himself in court. And Isaiah, that Tina just read, said that. He kept his mouth closed. He didn't see anything. God's will does not depend on my physical strength. God's will does not depend on my mental intelligence. God's will depends on God alone. We know God's will from Scripture. And then you read verses 14 and 18 to 18. Take that. Go back to the New Testament and read the account of Jesus on the cross, especially the account of John. And compare them to Psalm 22, 14 to 18. It's a perfect prediction. As you read down through, it talks about his mouth being stuck. He needed something to drink. His heart melted within him. When they put the spear in, it leaked out like melted wax. His bones were out of joint. But yet it says in 17, I can count all my bones because not one was broken. And they cast lots for him, his clothes. Jesus on the cross. Jesus was thirsty. He didn't have any broken bones. His clothes were won by soldiers flipping coins or tossing dice or whatever they did. God predicted it. God planned it. God is in control of the pain and suffering of Jesus. Nothing happens without God. Nothing happens without God. And your mind is going to certain situations in your lives, past or present. But what about cancer? But what about that car crash? Those migraines? That layoff? What about my child? Nothing happens without God. 
God uses pain to break your pride because he desires a broken and contrite heart. God uses a lack of wealth to teach you dependence on him for your very life. God uses death to remind you of eternity. Remember, you have sinned. You have caused pain to others. You have broken the heart of someone who loved you. You have caused injury to others. You cannot fix your broken past. You cannot take back the words you lashed out in anger. You cannot rebuild the trust that you have shattered. Yet, because of your sin, Jesus died the humiliating and painful death of crucifixion. Because of your sin, Jesus left heaven and came to earth as prophesied in Scripture. Because of your willful disobedience, Jesus came and healed sickness, cured blindness, and brought back the dead. Because you fell short of the glory of God, God glorified Jesus by lifting him up on the cross to die for you. I don't know where you came from. You may have been born to an alcoholic mother. You may have lived in a family that's broken by divorce. You may have grown up in a family without a formal education. You may have been the kid that no one wanted to have around. You may have been awkward and unable to make friends. You may have been dismissed in a job interview for being an inferior candidate. Yet Jesus died for you and for me. Because all those things I just read, that's my life. I'm a nobody. Yet Jesus died for you. Jesus died for your sins. Yet Jesus died so that you can have eternal life with him. Today, you may be in the valley of the shadow of death, but God will comfort you and protect you. Jesus fulfilled God's plan. Jesus' death on the cross fulfilled God's plan of salvation. Your sin is atoned for because God finished it. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And the sky grew black as the night. So Psalm 22 sounds like a pretty miserable psalm. It starts with, my God, my God. Then it talks about all this misery and uh, pain and death on the cross. But when you go down to verse 27 of Psalm 22, it says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him, and it shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations that they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. You are the nation that is yet unborn. Because when did Jesus die? It was a long time ago. 
It was even before our grandparents' time, no matter how old you are in here. <laughs> you were that nation yet unborn that has been proclaimed to you today. What Jesus has done. <coughs> Will you turn to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, today? Will you proclaim the savings work of Jesus' death on the cross to others today? Let's pray. <coughs> Lord God, you are the mighty and precious Lord. We come before you in humbleness. Lord, we come before you with a broken and a contrite heart. We come before you as sinners looking for salvation. Help us to turn to you today. Turn to you for the very first time if we have never turned to you before or turn to you again because we realize even though that we know you and we have been saved, we still need you again and again and again every day. Help us to continually turn to you. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.